Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And guys, welcome back and happy Pi Day on uh, this March 14th. Uh, and happy, well, I guess it's kind of like championship tournament season. Uh, we will, for those who have asked, the whole two of you, we will be doing another uh, ESPN bracket challenge for fun, of course. Um, that will be coming, you know, as soon as the bracket has been revealed. And good luck, and good luck to other Division II SIDs out there. Uh, we just had our own selection Sunday uh as we gear up for the Elite Eight uh, last Sunday. And the way that we were kind of shaken up here a little bit in the Midwest region, our women's team uh, made it to the semifinals of the GLVC tournament, um, lost that game. And then they were I think they were like sixth in the region uh, at the last regional rankings, and at the end of the day they just weren't selected. But our men uh, also fell in the semifinals of the uh, GLVC tournament uh, but were selected. They're the fourth seed. And they will be playing uh, against Ashland. That will be up at Lewis in Romeoville, Illinois. Um, so looking forward to that. A little bit more invested, I think, this year in the G- and not in the GLBC. Well, yeah, but not in the D- NCAA tournament um, in years past as I am this year, mainly because Evansville is hosting. Uh, being researching a lot of the different teams that are coming in. And I, I got to say, guys. This Midwest region, the South region, and the Central region, or whatever region Northwest Missouri State is in, is stacked. And I can't wait for all eight of those, or eight teams, to be here in Evansville just to kind of watch uh, what I think is going to be some tough, high-quality basketball um, as we just kind of wrapped up the OVC tournament here. And I hope that all OVC SIDs out there had fun you stay in Evansville. Uh, pretty great place, I like to think. If you don't think so, that's fine. I could totally see where you're coming from there. So, uh, anyway, guys, we do have Jeff Henson today from Olivet. Uh, went to Baldwin Wallace, and uh, we'll follow his whole journey all the way up to Michigan. Um, we'll talk about his experience, the changes that have taken place uh, over the entirety of his SID career, uh, what he looks forward to the most, and much more on this week's episode of SID Cast. And just as I said, uh, I just mentioned it probably 30 seconds ago, but um, this these next few episodes might be a little short. Uh, that's mainly because it's getting crunch time for us here as we're hosting uh, the the tournament. And then we also have home softball, baseball, um, as they're finally done with their spring break road swings. Um, and... Uh, it's getting a little bit swapped here. So um, if you're if you're kind of sitting there like, well, that you know didn't take long at all. Uh, that's that's on me because uh, David is a little uh, stressed right now about everything. So, but uh, not too stressed. Uh, I can still do these, and I'm looking forward to the next coming conversations I have with people. I think you guys are really gonna like uh, the month of April that we've got shaken up 
here a little bit. Uh, next week we'll have Danielle Percival. I might uh, be butchering that name as I have many, many times before. You guys are really, really going to enjoy that episode. And then you've got the Division Two, uh, I think Division Two basketball legend John Keen will be on the week of uh, the NCAA Division Two Elite Eight. So, anyway, guys, we will start off today with episode 113 of SID Cast with Jeff Jeff Henson of the Olivet College Comets. And his very first day of sports information right here on SID Cast. First taste of sports information was as a student at Baldwin Wallace, where I did my undergrad, and, and that's been it basically. Left PW and came up here to Michigan and haven't left since. So, uh, what what were some things? I mean, at Baldwin Wallace, how did you get acclimated with with it? I mean, uh, how did you pick Baldwin Wallace, and what was your sport background like growing up? Sport background growing up was my dad. Is, was a sports writer for the newspaper that actually covered BW athletics. So I would tag along with him to football games, basketball games mainly. They didn't allow him to cover baseball or anything like that. The paper obviously had to be mm-hmm. major sports. We would go over, him and I, to watch baseball games and stuff like that. But since we were only about 30 minutes from campus, so we did do that a little bit to watch BW play. So... When I was looking at schools, I was looking at OAC schools mainly, but BW was the first choice. And back in the day, Rupel, Kevin Rupel, the SID said, come to BW, you have a work-study job. <laughs> Didn't know exactly what it was all oh, yeah. about then, but I knew I needed to have a job on campus and got that job basically that way. <laughs> so, What was it kind of like for you to, to walk on a college campus knowing that you had a job right there ready for you? It was good because... I knew I, like I said, had to have a job because of just work study back then was you work and it paid your bill, your tuition bill. And that was nice knowing that I didn't have to worry about finding a job. I had one lined up all set, ready to go and could pay those, pay that bill because my parents didn't have the money means to be able to pay as much as or pay for my education. So I had to pay for most of it. So knowing I had yeah, it just kind of made sense. Yeah. So, um, what maybe why why were you kind of looking at specifically OAC schools? Uh, I, I know a lot of people kind of mix in a college or two with a big state university, but why were you kind of aiming for a small school? Just because I knew I would fit in better at a small school. I just the relationships that you grow with a professor by being at a small school is what I knew I would fit in a lot better as as opposed to a big school being a small duck in a big, huge pond. I knew I wouldn't, I'm not that type of person to fit in like that. And that's why I like, to be honest, where I'm at now, all that with how small it is is to just the smallness. It fits my personality better, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, So when we, how did your role change and evolve uh, during your four years with Baldwin Wallace? I mean, what did, what they start having you doing in, in the beginning versus what you were doing toward the end of your career there? I'll be honest. I got a lot of responsibility. I don't know, to be honest, how Kevin gave me responsibilities that I did as a freshman. But, like, from the get-go, I helped with stats, did a lot of – I didn't do a lot of writing because back 
then it was 97, 98-ish. So websites were just evolving. So there wasn't a whole lot of like website work or social media, obviously. So a lot of the work I did early on was learning how to do stats and the stat programs. My freshman year, the only stat program that we actually used was baseball and softball. So I helped evolve that, I guess, in my time. By my senior year, we were pretty much switched over to all the other stat crew sports to do stats. So I helped evolve that. But thinking back on it, it taught me how to do the stats the right way by doing hand stats the right way for football and understanding it a lot better. So, but evolved like for football like my first job at football games was typing up the play-by-play and then I evolved into doing the score book that they had a big huge fancy book that did the stats to help with that so kind of evolved okay so um what about maybe some things that uh in, in another way maybe you're writing and stuff and you mentioned that your dad was a sports writer so uh how did that influence in that background to kind of tailor make yourself to what you were doing at Baldwin Wallace um, and even now? The biggest thing that? is just I at BW I did early on was just helping with game notes, writing up game notes and learning about how to do those, and then evolved into more writing, like press releases and those type of things. Did a little bit of feature story writing, but even then. I'll be honest, writing, I don't think is one of my skill sets. <laughs> I have to do it, obviously, but that's why it's still not one of my strong suits, at least in my eyes. Probably some people would say, your writing is perfectly fine, Jeff, but I still don't feel that my writing is as a strong as a skill set as it should be. But So how, so how are you kind of working on that? I hate to interrupt I just, you there. Some of it is just... I have to write everything for Olivet because just of how our my office is set up being that my students help me at athletic events. So I, the sole writer of anything that's athletic related. So press releases about coaching hires, coaching dismissals, whatnot. I'm the one that writing it. And then I wrote, write for alumni magazine. So I still write, but I just think it's even a dying thing because I wonder how much people read our stuff anymore because it's a graphic world that we live in now if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely i i think i got this piece of advice maybe two or three years ago and it was like find that one thing and get really really good at it and try to market it well what about all the stuff that i'm not so great at it? you know what i mean so what what, what maybe would you say to an sid that maybe is strong in one way not strong in another way um as they're trying to advance their career. I mean, with you, with you as writing, I know you, you write and you're doing a great job. I, I mean, that's how I research people, Jeff. I, I go and I read your stuff. So um, what uh, would you say to those SIDs that maybe are having to develop maybe a weakness uh, early on in their career? Just keep after it. Cause like I said, I'm probably my worst critic on writing, obviously from what I've said. And I've had others okay. say, don't worry about it. You're fine. But but just keep working at it, anything, because all of our jobs, there's something that we probably, going into it, we're not good at when we first start, but you can get better at it by just doing it. The more you do it, the better you get at it, so. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't, like, kind of 
think about it too much. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be stuck in that one place thinking like all oh, this, it, it, because I, I do that. There's some things where, yeah, I'm good at post-game graphics, but when they asked me to make something for a ticket promo, I was like, oh, I, I, I am dead in the water here. But, I, you know, you work at it and you don't stay there for long. But um, let's get back to some of your SID background here. Um, what was maybe the most difficult thing that you had to learn during that first year at Baldwin Wallace under the SID there? Jeez. That's so long ago. It seems forever ago. <laughs> back. Biggest thing to learn, it was just learning how to be a college student too. <laughs> it was just, that was the biggest challenge for me, to be honest, was that it was the first time I was on my own living in a dorm with two other people. I grew up obviously with family and living with them. So, But those experiences that I had then made, and even in college made me the person I say that I am today with the lifestyle that I live on things. So. I think the biggest thing wasn't necessarily working an SID office. It was just how to be a college student because it's living on your own the first time and what to do. So, uh, what I'm, I mean, how did you balance all that work? Because there are a lot of SIDs out there, including myself, who started their freshman year and kind of had to learn the balance. Uh, some people learned it very well. Some people, like me, learned it very poorly. Uh, how did you balance that? I just knew that my classroom studies were first, so I would always make sure I did all of my classroom stuff first and then basically work all weekend long <laughs> and then work occasional office hours in the office. So I kind of just learned the balance of it, of how to balance both so that I could do well. I'll admit my freshman year probably wasn't as strong academically as the first couple of the last three years I was there just because it was a very hard learning curve for me, especially mm -hmm. my freshman year of school, we were under the quarter calendar. So we had three 10 weeks. And that spring quarter when you're going to class in middle of June and it's nice outside, it wasn't a good semester or quarter academically, but I went and focused there. And like I said, learning that balance was important between working and then also having fun and then learning everything else, I guess. Uh, what about when you left Baldwin-Wallace? I mean, it was time for you to go. Um, what was life like at the time for you? I mean, what was kind of your job search process like straight out of college? It was, to be honest, not much of a search. I finished up my undergrad in May of 2001. I, was, I agreed to stay on as an um, intern at BW under Kevin, working for him, worked for him, and I knew I wanted that year of experience because that was just dedicated for a whole year of not worrying about class, not worrying about all the other stuff that was going on. So I did an internship and then knew that I needed to find a job full-time somewhere. Was having a hard time finding, I could say, the right fit for me all summer long. And so I agreed to stay on for another year. Well, then I got a call on a Monday afternoon from my now former boss up here at Olivet saying that they had the opening if I was interested in applying I looked it up as what I was looking for a small school sent my resume on Tuesday morning got a call on that Wednesday to come up Thursday for an interview and then by that weekend I was offered the job and had to think about it obviously for a weekend and took it so it was kind of right place at the right time I guess you could say for the job up here and 
whatnot. Uh, how did it feel for you? I mean, you just mentioned that you spent a whole year as an intern because you didn't have to worry about class or anything. And then you told yourself, hey, I need to find a full-time job. And then, I mean, we're coming up to this to this point in the year now where people are going to kind of go through the same thing. So uh, how did it feel for you to go through that, tell yourself that, give yourself that goal, and then realize that, hey, I'm not finding a job. I got to stay on a whole nother year. How did that feel for you? It was fine for me just because I was still close to home and I could still have that home feel, I guess you could say. But it was nerve-wracking because obviously I had a, a year that I could wait to start paying my loans back, student loans back, but I knew I needed to find something to be able to pay that but, and live, I guess you could say. But it's always nerve-wracking when you can't find a job. But for me, I was just, I could say, picky on what I wanted as a job, so I didn't want to pick, have the right job. Like, I was actually offered a job at another MIAA school and told myself, no, I'll wait and let's see if I can find another job. <laughs> so, and that was right after college, that right after I graduated in May of 2001, I was interviewed and offered that job. And I said, no, I'm not quite ready. Let me give myself another year. <laughs> uh, so what would you say to uh, some SIDs that are about to go through the process? We just asked our, our past couple of guests this question and everybody seems to be different. So, um, you know, there are some people who are going to struggle with this. I mean, what, what would you say to those people uh, as they're going through this difficult, you know, job search process time? I would say just be patient. It's a patient process because unless find something that's right for you, just don't take a job to take a job because I think there's a lot of people that are doing that and then they go and they're unhappy or whatnot. So that's the biggest thing is find something that's right for you, not that you think is good because it's not always as good as what you think it is just because of what it yeah is. so what were some things i mean you said you, you had a job offer and then you you, you passed up on it i mean you, you had to find the right fit for you so what were some values or some things that you had to like look internally at yourself and say hey this this is the right fit versus what's not the right fit Biggest thing for me was I wanted to go to a small school, Division three school. I just didn't want to be, because I like the variety that we have at the Division three level. That every day is different, every because you have another sport to worry about and whatnot. So that was the biggest thing for me was finding the small school, and then also finding a school that would allow me to do what I could mm -hmm. could do, <laughs> and not have someone make my own mark, I guess you could say, do what I wanted to do and all so that. So you got to all of that uh, and, hang on, is that, okay, so you got to all of that and um, now it is your first full-time job. I mean, was there much of a transition? I mean, you spent quite some time in a sports information office. I mean, what was it like kind of being on your own and, and running your own shop for the first time? Biggest thing for me was, uh, let's see. Learning how to do things that, like, there was little things that I just didn't even realize that had to be done, like all the reporting to the NCAA and the MI, our conference and how that all that process had to happen. So, but luckily there was good SIDs in our conference that basically took me under and helped me figure out how to do those little things. 
And then also figuring out how to do things at Olivet, because every school's different on how they do things and then how work study works and how this works. And uh, what was kind of your biggest adjustment during that first year? Biggest was just the having to do it all because at BW, obviously we had, Kevin had a staff of 16 student workers that basically helped him out and did everything that, that so like when I was at BW, I basically did a sport a season, I guess you could say, helped him out like basketball and then in the spring I was softball, but I was doing it, I had to do it all and find the workers to help me with stats. So that was the biggest thing is, being at a small school is finding that. Yeah, I, I would say so. And you guys have 24 sports there, I, I believe, up at Olivet. Um, so what was what's it? I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, they're 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 not. Unfortunately, they're not few and far between. But what do people not know about a one man shop office in the SID world? It's how many hours we work? <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing. Is just that. And I, my one-man shop is probably a lot, could be different than other one-man shops. Like I said, I have to pretty much do it, do it all from publications to social media to being at the event to do stats, supervising student workers to have them do stats. So it's, that's the biggest thing is just you're doing it all. <laughs> There's nothing like between, like I said, student workers help me out a little bit. But most of the work is uh, you me mentioned doing student all, workers. So. Uh, the past two questions here. Um, how did you kind of go about at a new, brand new place finding those student workers? Um, how did you go about recruiting them? How do you go about recruiting them today? For we have to go through a process, I guess you could say that students have to fill out job applications online, and then we get the job apps, and then we have to look them over and approve interview them if they want and whatnot. So there's kind of, like I said, the process that we have to go through. I tend to, what I look for in student workers being a small school like we are, is finding the athlete that came to play the sport, a sport, but then have decided not to play it anymore. Or that they played a sport in high school, but they have not come to Olivet to play it because they have a general knowledge of the sport. Like my best volleyball spotter, she was a she went to her freshman year at another school, didn't like it, and then came to Olivet and transferred, and it worked out well because she understood the sport at least a little bit. So I tend to find those type of workers that used to play the sport but not playing anymore just because of how small we are that they have. And athletes are busier nowadays. They have net, they they have their in-season time, but they also have their non-traditional season. And it's a lot – they're an athlete more than they're – whatnot, I guess. Oh, you're good. Um, I want to talk about Olivet here. I, I, it's a pretty small school, I would say, with yeah, around, what, a thousand kids, thousand. I think. Um, okay, so uh, what's the kind of atmosphere like at, at a small D3 school like that? I mean, um, how do you go about marketing your teams a little bit to the area to get people to come to comics The biggest games? thing is that we just – we draw more students and parents. We don't really draw like last year and the last couple of years with our men's basketball, we drew a lot of community people because of our coach that we had. He brought people in, 
but we draw we try to market it and get students at all of that and the parents and stuff we it's where we're at to be honest in the we're close to East Lansing from Michigan State, and we're close to Ann Arbor from Michigan. So that's what pe people care about in the state or the high school stuff. So we just, it's very hard to be honest, <laughs> to get outside people mm -hmm. to our games. It's just, like I said, being where we're located at is a hard sell, I guess you could say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. So um, maybe what are some things that uh, other SIDs that might be struggling with, with the same thing or maybe departments that might be struggling with the same thing, um, uh, what, what maybe some solutions that they could come up with to kind of draw that more audience to maybe their social or even to the games themselves? The biggest thing as I do is just I tell myself I, our website and our social media is our media. So I try to do the best job that I can with social media and our website, because that's where people are gonna come and find out about how we did that, that game or when our game is or whatnot. So find something that draws their attention, like I said, through, because you're your own media in a market like we are, stuck between two major universities. So, and then high schools in Michigan are big and athletics too. So you, you have to find some way to something and that's what I chose to do is basically being my our own media by having a great website and social media okay uh, and you mentioned it alluded to it a couple times there is that uh, you're stuck between Michigan State and Michigan and you got to fight for a little bit of publicity there so what are maybe some criteria that you kind of pick, select uh, from Olivet to kind of pitch to the media? I mean, what's that like for you at a small D3 school? What I do is is that the Lansing, Lansing area, I guess you could say where East Michigan State is, they'll do a good, decent job. I won't say great job, but a decent job doing coverage if we have kids from their area. And the same way with other areas around us, they'll do a decent job if giving us a little bit of print, not a lot anymore. If there's someone from their area or our kids' hometown newspapers do a good job. Like last week we had a wrestler qualify for nationals. So his hometown paper reached out to me. And that's what we've been getting a lot of coverage to be honest is the kids' hometown papers, which is fine. Cause then that's the best marketing for the school is that the high school kids in that area are reading about a wrestler that is at Olivet, then, oh, maybe I want to go to Olivet to wrestle or whatnot. Let, well, let's talk about that for a second. What are some diff key differences, other than the obvious, um, from when you first started your sports information career to where it's at now? Biggest difference is the social media presence. When I first started, there was no such thing as social media. So it's just that consumes a lot of time just figuring out what to do and when to post and doing graphics. Luckily this year I was fortunate and got box out sports. So that's helped a ton of like time-wise. I just use them for graphics to help me out. To, so I'm not so busy focusing on just graphics and everything. So, uh, What was kind of your first initial reaction to social media when it came around? And how did and how how did you use it for Olivet when when it first started to pick up? I, 
I was a little leery on it, to be honest. I'm like, what is this? It's nothing that great. But then now I realize how it, if you're not doing it, you're behind everyone else <laughs> that is doing it. So you have to accept that it is something now and just do what, the best that you can with it. Okay, awesome. Well, um, I'd like to judge this part of the interview where I'd like to ask some fun questions, if that's all right with you, Jeff. Yep, okay, awesome. Well, the first question I have is uh, favorite memory of your professional tenure. Favorite memory we've had in our time at my time at Olivet and in school history, it happens to be the same, is that we've had two student athletes earn academic All-American honors or academic All-American of the year hmm. honors. Let me get that. So for a small school like that, it's special. And the two times that we've had that, I've been able to tell the student athletes, be the first one to tell them that they earned that honor. And it's just amazing the compliments that they give you that they just don't really they know that obviously I'm doing work and then they get that and they're just amazed the first time was a swimmer that actually back you may not know that academic all-american used to be just a college division and then university division so you had division one and then you had division two three and I called it other that so you just had the two teams so he was a swimmer that got academic all-american of the year of that large so Pretty big deal back then, I guess you could say, with obviously you've seen conversations on social media about that large category right now, how crazy it is to get named to it. Now you add of the year to it, it's a pretty darn good deal. And then you add, like I said, back in the day, that it was just college division, so it's an even bigger deal. And then the second time, two years ago, 16, I think it was, our punter actually on our football team was academic All-American of the year. And I still remember the day I told him, I probably shouldn't have told him when I did, but we had just lost our first round football playoff game, making the push football playoffs for the second time. He was down on the sideline after the game. And I just went up to him and said, Ryan, I have something to tell you. And I shared it with him. And he literally, he was in pads and everything, lifted me off the ground, gave me a big old bear hug. So, so. Well, that's, um, yeah. Um, what about on the other side of the coin? Which would be I knew you were going to ask that because I asked, watched the past interview. I guess the one thing that just comes to mind was uh, a year ago, I was down at floor level because for volleyball, I sit up in our last row of bleachers to do stats so that I can be elevated a little bit so you're not blocked by everything. So I was down on floor level for that match right before it started because I had to do the opening cane. PA announcements because our PA announcer wasn't going to be there and like literally a minute before the match starts I'm down there and a student worker looks says Jeff you may want to look at your computer screen and I say well turn it around so I can see what it is and it went to the blue screen of death as they call it so I had to quickly figure out what to do luckily I restarted the computer and it restarted fine but it was just one of those a minute before a volleyball match and your computer is basically dead you don't have a backup or anything to be able to do anything. So, but. yeah, I think we all we all kind of have those stories. I know for me, it's been a while since I've told this story. So I was at a hockey game at my uh, first college that I went to in NAI school, and uh, we were supposed to play the national anthem, and it kept clicking on it, and it would come up and say file is corrupt. I was like, oh no, you know, we gotta do this national anthem thing. So. Um, uh, we had a, a like an on-site coach supervisor thing, and she was like, "We gotta sing the national anthem." 
It's like, okay. So by the end of the national anthem, I was the only one singing. And I had to physically sing the national anthem. Never, ever again. Never again will I do that. That that we had that happen, but we luckily had singer or student athletes that started singing, and I just said, "Okay, go ahead, sing away." Yeah, we had a we had a volleyball official one time. We had this big volleyball tournament or invitational uh, every year um, with about six to eight teams, and uh, the it didn't work for one game for whatever reason, and then so the. Uh, uh official turns around and he looks at the crowd and he starts like doing a little like conductor thing and, and he's and everybody's he goes we're gonna sing now one two three and it turns out he's on like a quartet so like just in his spare time so we were like we're lucky to have that guy on but um anyway uh what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession one piece of advice uh i guess I always say have fun at it because we all know the hours we work. They're long hours. We deal with a lot of people, but just have fun because it can be a fun job. Like I put in the email back to you that I had to get this done today, hopefully because I'm leaving tomorrow, go to Florida for a week at our level, division three level. We don't get to travel much. So take advantage of times that you can travel or just have fun with it. It's a fun job. You get to watch sports for a living. So uh, what's uh, some characteristics or traits do you think make a good SID? For me, it's always I say patience because it's patience, patience, patience. Because there's always someone that's wanting something, and you have to be nice and say, "I'll get to it when I can." Just be patient. I'll do it. <laughs> it's not always. Um, I'm trying to think, there's something else I thought of, but I can't think of it. No, you're good. I mean, we can wait we or we can, can move on. on. It's up to you. All right, awesome. So uh, let's see. What's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Biggest thing for me, I guess, is more video editing. Like I do a, a very, very, very few video, like videos of our like highlights or anything like that, just because I didn't grow up and didn't really learn how to edit videos. I said when I was in school, we weren't doing it at all video or streaming or stuff like that. So I guess learning how to edit videos better and be able to compile videos, because like I said at the beginning, I don't know how much people read what we do, but they like to see what we do, see the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, work-life balance, what do you do to have fun? Not much, to be honest, it's just, <laughs> When I have time off, I just take advantage of it. It's just being lazy at home. Um, during the summer, I like to spend a lot of time with family or I have family in Ohio with two young nephews and a niece. So I get to spend time with them. But, and then just, I guess it's not, it's work, but how I also help out with our high school athletic association with their athletic events as well, their championship events. So it gets me, yes, it's still doing stats and doing that, but it gets me working with another group of people and having fun with them doing that. Okay, cool. Um, next time someone is in the, you kind of put yourself where, you, where you're at, Ann Arbor, East Lansing, Olivet area. I mean, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? 
I'll be honest, I don't go East Lansing and Ann Arbor anywhere much because it's just the drive. Not a bad plan. Yeah. And Olivet, there's only one restaurant bar in it, so there's not much choice besides an Olivet lamplighter OC in town. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Well, if anybody had any questions for you, um, maybe want to follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's just my first name and then underscore last name. So Jeff underscore Henson. I'm on Facebook too. I occasionally post in those groups on Facebook, both groups, the annoying ones and awesome ones, but, and then email. So. Cool. Well, Jeff, we very much appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a Michigan, somebody from Michigan up on the show. So we, we really do appreciate it. Yep. Like I said, I'm excited to get out of this cold weather tomorrow. So. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks for uh, sticking with us here. I know that we kind of had the, uh, uh, I was stuck at the social security office. You know why? You want to know why? Because they got my birthday wrong. Uh, and I just now caught it. So I was a day older. <laughs> and I was going to take it. So um, anyway, we really do appreciate it. Thanks for coming out there. You're welcome. Well, guys, there you have it. That is episode 113. We keep on marching our way through 2019. This year's going by pretty quick. Uh, and just as I mentioned earlier, the Elite Eight will be in town, so these next couple episodes might be kind of thrown out there real quickly. Um, so don't worry about any of that. Once once all this craziness, all this hecticness is all over, um, should be back to normal with the rotation and everything. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow our newsletter, sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. You can uh, get all of our news first. You can get a direct link and a nice little fancy InDesign document I made. Uh, about the episode and then also about our uh, huddle series with our huddlers um, so be sure to sign up for that next week we'll have Danielle Percival uh, of the Piedmont College Lions and we're looking forward to that so I want to thank you all for listening to this one guys and we hope to catch you all in the next episode mm-hmm.